Welcome back to the DNF special of episode seven of the Sector Four podcast, where we talk about half of the cars not finishing the race in Jeddah. Um, as always, it is myself, Keegan, and I have freshly shaved. You can't see it, but it's it's looking nice and clean. And and we have Steve rocking the uh, amazing stash as always. Stephen, what would you like to say about your mustache today? Uh, I'd say it's thick and prosperous, unlike seven out of 20 cars on the weekend. <laughs> okay, good. I didn't think you'd be able to tie that back in, but I'm very happy that you did. Um, crazy weekend in Jeddah. A whole lot going on, and from the start, it was kind of chaos. Um, I think we'll just kind of get right into it today. Um, the The big thing, I believe it was on free practice uh, two. I think it was on on Friday. Um, we noticed from a certain camera angle that there was an explosion in the background, and everybody went, "Oh, that's peculiar. I wonder what that could be." And it turns out that the fight that they are currently engaged in, uh, the war that the Saudi Arabian government has been waging for the past couple of years with Yemen, um, they decided now is a great time to strike an oil plant near Jeddah, or actually in Jeddah. Sorry. Um, and that was really exciting. And I don't know if you've seen the onboard footage. Who is the driver footage from again? I think it's just like trackside camera footage. Oh, you can was see it? it in the background? Yeah. Yeah. And just see this big ball of fire, and you go, "Oh, yeah." I didn't that's knew, a little I didn't concerning. Know they doing, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were actually doing FP one and two in the, in the past during the Gulf War this year. <laughs> um, it was a little unnerving, and I think the. Uh, I guess the concern levels were um, raised following that. And I think they had a driver meeting going into like three in the morning or something. Yeah. Um, the the night that everything happened, whether or not they should go on. Ultimately, obviously, we know now they decided to uh, continue with the race weekend, which um, good. But maybe it would have been better if they just didn't at that point. But, it's only good um, because nothing happened. Like, what do you think that says in terms of a money standpoint that they decided to race? right after a missile strike on the Aramco oil facility. Coincidentally, a sponsor that also was written all over the side of poor old Nico Hulkenberg's car. Oh, that poor guy. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's, I think it speaks to the, um, the precariousness maybe of the money that's involved in F1. Um, I think you have a lot of questionable funding that, um, maybe is not the most agreeable for many different people. And I think once everybody comes to realize that it gets a little bit more concerning, especially when you're in the country and you've signed a contract saying that you're going to be there. And when probably every single driver on that grid wanted to get the hell out of there. And then we're probably, again, I'm speculating, but we're probably told, no, you can't do that. And if they tried to leave, there were rumors going around that they would not be allowed to leave. Um, it's a little questionable from from How my point of view. How would they not be allowed to leave? Do you think they, they just immediately took their passports the moment they entered the circuit? I'm just saying it wouldn't, <laughs> like, I wouldn't put it past them to cause an international incident because people didn't fulfill contractual obligations related to money. What would be your argument? Say you're, you're Lance Stroll or Nico yeah. Hulkenberg and you're, you're trying to argue to leave and they're like, you can't, you have to race. My argument would be, I'm not finishing in the points anyways. So 
what's it really matter? <laughs> they'd be like, you right. Yeah, they're really, yeah, no, you got a point. Um, I Man, I just like, if you've, and don't get me like, don't get me wrong. There's things going on everywhere and there's bad things happening everywhere and there's danger everywhere and blah, 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 whatever, what have you. But to to ignore the fact that the situation when you're in the middle of a war is volatile and things could happen at any moment. And when you can from the place that you are driving and participating in a sporting event, if you can see an explosion in the sky, not just like a, you know, like a minor thing, like your car explodes. OK, that's bad. But like. You can't see that 10 miles away. If I'm looking at that, I'm going, yeah, absolutely the fuck not. Um, no thanks. Uh, missiles, you know, missile strikes <laughs> aside, lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Next time it'll but be the many track. rebels do. Yeah. They'll bomb the like, same shit twice. So they don't care. <laughs> dude, you're telling me they like, and luckily nothing happened. Like, it, it's obviously a good thing that nothing happened. But you're telling me that, you know, if I'm fighting a war with somebody, okay, and I see that there's an international event taking place, which the spotlight of millions of people is on. You think I'm not going? That hmm. that looks like a pretty uh, pretty juicy target for some, uh, you know, you know, some attention. I I don't I think know. On the on the contrary, though, that's a little too much international attention. Yeah, no, that's true too. That's how you get like every world power invading you. Exactly. That, yeah. you know, that's that's how you get conveniently occupied for the next thirty years. <laughs> cough, cough, America. <laughs> Me trying my hardest not to tie in my political science theories into this right now. Yeah, um, yeah Two no, like free uh, practices later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like obviously, like I'm glad that the weekend went off without. You know, well, without a hitch is not not the right word at all. Um, without any more explosions, that's also not the right word. Um, but you know, it just I I think that they should be they they should be having more active discussions about the participation of Formula One in certain countries. But then the problem with that becomes you're basically removing half of the track list for <laughs> for the entire year half that the track you can list participate and, in, and probably seventy five percent of the income. <laughs> Yeah, so it, I don't know, man. Uh, like, what what are your thoughts on it? Like, I, I I don't know. Can can they realistically go? Okay, we're not going to go back to I don't know Jeddah. We're not going to go back to Bahrain. They like, could look at the amount of tracks they have in Europe that they just left the, left the dust, like Valencia, Hockenheim. They, these are tracks they can just like yeah. have just fallen into disrepair. They can open yeah. them back up. Imagine how much the logistics team would cream if they found out that they were going <laughs> to add five more races in Europe instead of yeah. halfway across the world. Yeah. You could have triple headers and it wouldn't matter because they, they could literally just drive to the next track. Yeah. Well, I think, too, when you have, I mean, Las Vegas was announced today or is being announced today. And um, obviously you have American tracks coming up quicker and quicker and there's probably going to be dude within two years we're going to have like another u.s race by by the end of this um you can fill the space but i think the issue becomes like oh like why aren't you going to these countries sort of thing like what about like having you know diverse representation and all this stuff and like i would understand that argument but at the same time war crimes so i i don't know maybe that's just me um it's a contentious issue personally i think that they should just find other tracks but i also understand that the money is so tied up in the sport that there's not really a whole lot you can do. Um, so it, while I have that argument, I'm also very realistic about what that means. Um, and, and I don't think they're they're going out of these tracks and circuits anytime soon, but I, I do wish they would. 
Um, but I don't know. I don't know. That's just my two cents on it. We'll, we'll yeah, see they're, they're not the most interesting tracks out there, in my opinion. No. And like, in calling Jetta a street circuit, come on. <laughs> it aggravates me. It's, it's not a street, it's not circuit. A street circuit. Cars circuit. don't drive on it normally. It's not a street <laughs> circuit. So what? You put the barriers right next to the to the curves. It's not, that doesn't make it a street circuit, in my mind. Yeah, before before we get into the race weekend, can we talk about the curves? Dear God. So that turn, is it turn 11? Where the, uh, the curves sent Mick and... Uh, Latifi into the wall. I think it might be turn 11. I'm not 100% sure. But that thing launched everybody. Like, just absolutely sent people. And I'm just, I'm wondering, like, I'm all about track limits and, you know, keeping everything inside the racing lines fine. But when I you're. Don't think it's, I don't think it's turn 11. Is it not turn 11? I think it's, well, I think it's sector one, right? Yeah, it's the stretch of like 9, 10, 11 because it's the, it's the twist back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe it's 5, 6, 7. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. I'm not really familiar with the track. It's too new. Yeah. But regardless, that thing made drivers eat shit on the weekend. And I have to wonder, like, I know, I know why they're there, but why do they have to be so extra maybe is the right term? I don't even know if that's it. Like, is there a specific reason for them having curves be so raised and dangerous in this way like i i don't know like, what do you mean like they dude, should be raised just so that you don't have lewis hamilton jumping the corner and sure, gaining but, a one and a half second advantage yeah and i mean you can always but you can always penalize that right like why does it have yeah, to but have they be don't. a physical that's barrier the problem uh, it's easier to put a curb there or like um nico rosberg says if they're going to cut corners set it up so that their engine cuts for a second mm. And they just run on reduced power for a second. That's their penalization for cutting the curves. Is that it doesn't matter that you would get that um, that cut from it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. May I, but it just looked like from a viewer point of view that when Mick especially hit that and obviously had that really bad crash, like he went flying, right? Yeah. So I I don't know. It's just one of those things that I'm just maybe a little too picky about but i just it's all controversial they could all be sausage curves yeah 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 fair enough okay, <laughs> just destroy it. underboards yeah just completely destroy your car um but yeah and it was that not a concrete barrier too that he hit that mick hit in uh qualifying i'm fairly it's certain all mixed. It was. it's all mixed stuff Ugh. it was too bad tires barriers yeah anyways i'm done speculating now but my my point is uh it, it was too bad and it was too bad for mick obviously having that big crash um, and his car, much like the Haas in 2020, uh, broke in half right away. And my question to you is, are they designed to do that? I don't think so. <laughs> because I, I'm a little worried that with these cars hitting a wall, they break in half instantly. Uh, guys, uh, maybe be a little concerned about that from an engineering standpoint. I don't know. Yeah, it really is the cl classic, you know, if I had a nickel for every time this happened, I'd have two nickels, which isn't much, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too bad for Haas. Um, and we're, we're not going to have a Haas hating episode because I just feel bad for them mostly this time. Um, no, they've definitely, they put their money where their, where their mouth was. They really shut us up the last couple of races. Oh, yeah, 100%. I hope they don't uh, do an about face on that and then start sucking again. Um, but Kevin Magnuson, uh, I believe finished ninth, 
Um, he had a pretty good race. wasn't amazing. Uh, not as good as uh, Bahrain, but he had a pretty it's good. It's not race. a track he's raced at, so you know, everybody yeah. else raced at that track except you know Zoe. But yeah, and Hulk, right? Hulkenberg raced there too. No, no, no. I don't think so. Um, but regardless, Haas, uh, kind of a tough weekend for them, but uh, still got in some points. So good for Kevin Magnuson. Good for my fantasy team. Uh, we're always happy about that as well. Um, next thing that I wanted to to talk about real quick is that the only person who didn't have, or only Red Bull driver who didn't have an issue in the first race uh, did not even make it to the grid uh, in this race at Jeddah. We had Sonoda have an engine failure, I believe, on the warm-up lap. Uh, too bad for him. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts about that? Was did they release what happened with Sonoda? I haven't heard just... what happened from it, but I would have liked to see um like a Perez recovery, like last year in Bahrain when his car shut down in the formation lap. Right. It does suck that he wasn't able to get back onto the track because he probably would have had a points finish just on the merit that there was only thirteen drivers who finished the race. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the drivers then and everybody who didn't finish because I think it was lap thirty six and 37 where everything just kind of went to shit and we had Valtteri Bottas uh Fernando Alonso and Daniel Ricardo all DNF and within the same lap (laughs) within the same lap which is just shocking and I guess the the kind of consensus is that just the degradation they just couldn't take it like the cars weren't holding up um what did you see on that and what like what did you see any specific things about what happened to all of them because it seemed like similar issues for everybody I think it's overheating for everybody. Really? That, seem, that seems to be the main problem with everybody is overheating. Is cars are, is, you can follow cars a lot closer, but the wake is a lot cleaner as well, which oh, actually yeah. that's, that should be better cooling. If you're sitting behind a car with a much cleaner wake, that's more air. But yep. I think the um, just with a tighter engine packaging and whatnot, they're just having problems cooling, especially with front brakes. You know, McLaren is still struggling with their front brakes. Yeah. And they probably would have had a lot better of a race, too. I think Daniel was actually posed to finish in the points, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Which, again, not really a hard feat in this race. But um, too bad for for McLaren, especially. Obviously, Lando gets some points, so that's good. But we're really seeing, like, with rule changes... Obviously, this is my first time having gone through a rule change, as well as a lot of people as fans. And seeing how quickly the cars get affected um, is pretty shocking to see how they're, they're not really able to... I guess get it right the first time around. Like it's going to take so much uh, engineering throughout the season to be able to fix what's what's been going on, and you have to wonder how long it's going to take these cars to figure it out. Because, I mean, with this case, we have is three different suppliers actually. Well, then I'm looking at at the engines because um, obviously we have a Mercedes, we have a uh, Renault, and we have a Ferrari. So I'm just wondering how quickly they figure this out. Um, like, do you think this is something that they get fixed by halfway through the season, or is this something that we're going to be struggling with all year to get overheating right? I don't think it'll look like it's going to get fixed halfway through the season, but it's going to be like, you know, some teams are just going to simply start doing better than others as they uh, they start to pick up the pieces. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that you just can't fix. You, you, like, you think you fixed it, but you never know until you get on track. You could yeah. say that, oh, McLaren is doing so much better. Orlando's in seventh. That's not really a feat when seven of the cars didn't finish the race. He really <laughs> picked up a lot of his points on the safety cars. Yeah. Yeah, well, he and, picked up a lot of his positions on it because of just how you ended up pitting and the pits the pits being closed when the three drivers DNF. That really screwed a lot of people's strategies, you know, Lewis Hamilton oh, included. I didn't even realize that. The pits got closed. I think that was yeah. the one part of the race I didn't see. 
Yeah, there was oh. a, a lot of strategies were ruined. That's that's basically why Carlos Sainz got past Perez. That's why Lewis Hamilton dropped so many places. And the fact that he was still with Lewis, he was still able to finish in the points, I think is shocking because holy hell, what a terrible weekend for Lewis Hamilton. He was going so long on those tires. And then by the time that he was going to pit, he was going to pit under the safety car and it was yeah. closed. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. Yeah. The, uh, so maybe we can dig into the Mercedes real quick for a little bit. And uh, we joked beforehand that this would be a Mercedes hating episode. But um, uh, the Mercedes is still un- weak. It's still underpowered. Shocking. Shocking. The, yeah. Like Russell still had it in him just to keep enough of a gap on people. But like had the race not gone the way it was, he was under he was becoming under threat. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alonzo and Ocon were battling for sixth and seventh the entire race. Yeah. Um, I think Sonoda probably would have been higher. Botas was just going them. through them, too. Yeah. Oh, because he was pretty much staying in sixth throughout the entire race as well. Yeah. Sixth, seventh and eighth was just they were they were so close. They were fighting for, you know, a whole third of the race before they DNF'd. Yeah. I, I you know, I I do hate. And I say this with an asterisk. I hate Mercedes because they've been so competitive for for the past, you know, seven, eight years. Um, But at the same time, I I just can't. Personally, I can't fathom going from watching a season where Mercedes is so dominant. And then we have this rule change and we have the cars become so different. And they're just like, it's shocking. I genuinely, I, I, I can't understand why they haven't caught up yet. And I'm hoping, you know, for for competition's sake that they do have some changes that fix everything for Australia. But, like, yeah. good on George Russell for still pulling out a fifth. I mean, honestly, even with only 13 cars on the grid, I still would have thought he'd come lower, frankly. And yeah. I, that says a lot about where they're at, in my opinion, at least from, you know, from a viewer point of view. I just... I, it it I, is crazy I, to yeah. think that out of out of all the teams, Haas and Mercedes start, started development on this year's car at the beginning of last year. And if you asked me who I thought was going to come out on top of that, I obviously would have said Mercedes and look yep. at them because that's why they you can go back to why Mercedes got so ahead in the turbo hybrid era. And that's because they've had a head start developing the car since 2013. Right. They've had a head start every year because they were always that like six months ahead of everybody. And now yep. they've just they had a whole year and they just squandered it. It's just too bad, man. Like, I'm I mean, I mean, it's I, good for me. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. I love it. It's it's fantastic. But I mean, from from a competition point of view, you know, you you wonder last year all throughout the year, like, oh, you know, is Lewis Hamilton finally going to get? I think it was eight, right? Is his eighth? Uh, yes, title win. So is he going to get his eighth? Is he going to get his eighth? And doesn't it's like, okay, like this year it doesn't. Ha- yeah, it doesn't happen last year. But you know, at least we've got this year. And I, you know, it's hard to make judgment calls on the second race of the season. I mean, uh, we're going to do it anyways. But like. Um, they're not gonna, I don't see them being competitive. I just think Ferrari and Red Bull run away with this one. And I, I don't see it being particularly close. For, I, I for could Mercedes. see them ending competitively, but they're the gap that they're going to have to catch up from is simply too far. I think it's going to become oh, yeah. too far. If five, five races in, yeah, if five races in, if they're not, uh, picking it up, they're done. It's tough, man. It's really not tough. to mention like a driver that is so soaked with victory, yeah, isn't even aware that 10th place gives a point. I, okay, so crosses the comment, line. The yeah. only thing he has to say to his engineer is, is there even a point for that? How could you be so condescending to the yeah, sport that you, you live and breathe for, that you put all your effort into, that you don't, that you literally just know that little about it? 
that was my question too, and I'm glad that you're you're on the same page as me. Like, he has to know that you get a point for tenth, right? Like, he's that's performative. That's even 100% if he knows, even if he knows that, how how condescending, honestly. Like like I, like that's why I started to hate Lewis Hamilton when he was doing well. He he's when he's winning, he is a nice driver. He is a nice yep. guy. He he's like he's likable. But when he's losing, he is just the it's sufferable. He's the biggest sore loser. He's so quick to blame anybody else. And now everyone's like, what I love to see now is oh you know Lewis Hamilton doesn't seem to have the car underneath him. Well, it doesn't matter because his pure raw driving ability is what's going to get him the win. <laughs> Oh my God, it looks like it wasn't just the car now, huh? <laughs> it, I, man, it's shocking. And it, like seeing the, I, I guess you're right, seeing the response from everybody online and like, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting too much credit into people on Reddit and, and Twitter and what they have to say. But I mean, like, it goes to show you that it's more than just, you know, more than just the car or more than just the driver. It's yeah. obviously a combination. And like, don't get me wrong. I think that Lewis Hamilton is probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest driver of all time in F1, aside from Michael Schumacher, I still think is better. But, it, you know, it's, it's you not have that the machinery simple. Beneath yeah, you. It, it, it's a team effort. And so I hate it when it's always just, you know, oh, it's we've just had the amazing, We've had amazing drivers in bad cars, but we still yeah. call them amazing drivers. Yep. And like, honestly, everybody who's on the grid is an amazing driver. Like, you know, it, it takes a yeah, lot. Yeah, they're still one of 20. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's there's not much competition for this. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, you can't really downplay it at all because, you know, it just takes it just takes so much money and <laughs> skill, skill, sorry. <laughs> so much skill to uh, get into <laughs> F1 these days. That was really good. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, so tough weekend for Mercedes. And obviously, like, from a competitive standpoint, I do hope that they pull it back a little bit. As a fan and a Red Bull and McLaren fan, I hope that Mercedes eats dirt. But uh, that's just just my two cents. So uh, good on Russell for still pulling out the points. Um, one thing I want to touch on real quick before we get to, to the Red Bulls and the Ferraris is uh, the Alpines, who had a very interesting race because they were on pace to have a very good finish, like a very, very, very shockingly good finish that I was not expecting. Um, and the funniest part was that on lap six and seven, Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso were basically wheel to wheel fighting, almost causing an accident because they were fighting each other so hard. Yeah, we and were saying it the whole time. They're, they were going to cause an accident. And you could see Otmar just like shaking his head the entire time before they told the... Oh uh, I think they told Ocon to hold position. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Yeah. And like, if I'm... Okay. I, on one hand, if I'm the team, I'm going... I'm glad that our cars are competitive in this race. It's not really a big thing to be competitive with your own car. I, I know. Because the thing <laughs> is, is that I think after those two laps, Botas passed both of them. <laughs> so it's like, what are you guys doing? Because he was just like, thank you for the free time. Well, you guys are busy fighting and screwing up. I'll yeah. take this. Thank you very much. And I just have to wonder, like, A, Fernando, back off. B, Esteban, back off. And like, what are you gaining from this? I just don't. I didn't see the point. I didn't understand it. I like when teams let each other, like, let their teammates race. I like when teams let each other race it, it, because it's cool because that's literally when it comes down to the driver because you have the yeah. exact same car so that you can really see who is the better driver in that scenario. So it's nice to kind of see through that facade of, you know, is it the driver or the car? You put them in the same yeah. car and look. So it, it's nice to see that, but it does suck that fighting with your teammate loses you time overall because they're, they're taking different lines. They're breaking earlier, breaking later. They're also degrading the car much quicker. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's not it's best case, worst case scenario at the same time. Yeah, because if you're the team, you're sitting there like, what the fuck are these guys? Yeah, doing? like, but then there you go. As, as we keep saying, Alpine decided to go for competitiveness instead of reliability and one of their cars didn't finish. So, yeah, you know, and that was that was a bummer, too, for for Fernando, who I think was having a really good race. And honestly, he's been having a like in these first two races, he's been having a pretty good season, in my opinion. Yeah, um, he's surprisingly competitive in that car. And obviously, he's a world champion. So uh, he's not like he's a bum of a driver. So. Uh, good on the Alpines. Anyways, I just thought it was an interesting little part of the race that they uh, they were able to fight that. Um, but I think the, in my opinion, obviously, and I did this last episode too, and you yelled at me. Uh, I think the biggest story, again, is the Red Bulls because I thought that Chaco got shafted, just absolutely screwed, and for no fault of his own. And yeah. Nicholas Latifi, we have to have a word. You were our savior savior last year, but. I don't know, man. I don't know what was what was going on there. Um, for for those who uh, maybe forgot, uh, lap sixteen, Chaco comes in for a pit stop, and everything's well and good because nobody else pitted, and Ferrari baited them in, which, in my opinion, because Leclerc kept going, got track position, and it was great, and then Latifi bended into a wall. A bunch of people got a free pit stop, and that was kind of all she wrote from there. Obviously, aided by the thirty-seven uh, lap thirty-seven. Uh, incident. Uh, Steve, walk me through what your thoughts are on Chaco's drive and what went wrong other than that. It was interesting to see, um, to me, Chaco's race pace was always far superior than his qualifying. So to see him actually qualify pull, I thought his race pace would be ridiculous. But although he was holding on at the start and whatnot, his race pace just it wasn't there the whole race. It seemed that he kind of lost the mojo after the after the pit stop incident and just how he just purely got unlucky. You know, even if even if his pit stop went fine, I think that he still would have ended up losing the position to Leclerc and then he would have ended up getting a uh, team ordered by for Max Verstappen. Yeah, I think that would have been the outcome we would have saw had Latifi didn't bin it. Yeah, Which- it's sort of becoming a pattern now. You know, it, you know, you can either predict the pit stop strategy of your uh, your rivals, or you can predict when Latifi's going to bend it into the wall. <laughs> and I mean, either or is probably equal probability at this point. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, which which is uh, too bad. And like, in just a quick aside, like it's it's tough on that guy for getting so much hate online. Like he's been getting put through the ringer again. Um, and like, you got to feel for him at the same time. Like, like we're done. I, I think we talked about this last episode. Like Latifi, man, we're done here. Uh, it's yeah. it's 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 not. I think good he's enough. done his part. Honestly, I think he's done his part. <laughs> he, he got uh, he got Max's victory, and that's all we need. So yeah. Um, well, he did it again. He did it twice. So yeah. No shit. And either they're gonna pick this guy up as a Red Bull sponsor, or they're gonna have to put somebody different in that seat. Yeah, like he he's done. It's it's over. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter who you put in that seat. They just out qualify him by the looks of it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, because Albano qualified him again, obviously. Um, I, I feel for the guy. I do. Like on a on a personal level, you do feel for these people. Um, but from a driver standpoint, you're like, man, like just enough now. I think. Um, so too bad for the TV. Um, but yeah, for for Chaco, uh, I thought it was a shame that he did so well in qualifying and wasn't able to keep it in the race. Obviously, still a big fourth place. Like not denying that that's still big points. Um, only 10 seconds off the 10 seconds off the leader. Yeah. Him and Carlos had a pretty good, uh, pretty good fight throughout the race. I thought they were kind of back and forth for the position. Excuse me. And, um, I thought it was really interesting to watch. Um, 
obviously Russell, I think, was excuse me, twenty two seconds off. Um, so you know, he still did well. He still had a good drive and good on chicken. Yeah. Um Ferrari's obviously another really good race, uh the two and three. Um, Charles Leclerc having a great battle with Max Verstappen throughout the last, I think it was last eight laps. And um, I'm loving that this season, man. Like, I think that's, it's been so much fun to watch the two of them go at it. And it's so contradicting to watch two drivers that I like fight. Because <laughs> each time one overtakes, you're like, oh, this is good. And then the other one overtakes, you're like, oh, this is also good. And yeah, you you're like, I'm OK with both options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For my fantasy team, I want Leclerc. But, you know, overall, yeah. I don't I'm happy with both of them winning. Right. And it was a good like I said, it was a good uh, fight throughout the at the race. Um, good on Max for ultimately taking it out. Uh, just barely. I think he was only. Five hundredths of a second, yeah, only five hundredths of a second up on Leclerc. Like it was down to the wire. If you um, ask me, the yellow flag lap forty-eight that prevented Leclerc from getting DRS on the main straight is what won, what won Max that race. That's Leclerc right. was just waiting to attack on that last lap, getting closer and closer. Although it yeah. didn't look like he had the pace. Like DRS is so strong these in this year, yeah. so I think he was just waiting just to pull off that last lap maneuver to stick it. But he yep. didn't get the DRS on that on lap 48 because of the yellow flag in sector one. And it was just he didn't have enough time after that. There wasn't enough of a gap or sorry, too much of a gap. Right. I think that's an interesting thing with regards to like so much of F1 just being chance, you know, and, and you can plan and strategize all you want. But all it takes is like one yellow flag and your entire strategy or all the pace that you've made up throughout a race. Yeah. Can just be one tire blowout. One yeah. tire blowout, one safety car, one Latifi in the wall just changes the whole race. <laughs> That's not chance, though. That's just kind of like a guarantee. Yeah. You know? I really thought it was going to actually end up being a three-stop uh, strategy until the safety car and virtual safety car came out. Right, right. Yeah, overall, man, like, I, I don't honestly have a lot to say about the race. I thought it was a good one. Uh, I just thought it was too bad that we had so many DNFs um, because, obviously, it led to a more condensed uh, condensed grid. And But to note... Lance Stroll still got lapped. Um, he's the only person to still get lapped. So I thought that was that was tough. Um, the Aston Martins, uh, maybe as a quick aside, woof. Um, I don't know if Seb wants to come back, man. Like, you might as well just, just keep it in the COVID protocol because, dear God, um, what, are, what are your Aston Martin thoughts real quick? I'm just... I just want I don't, to know. don't have anything good to say about him, honestly. No. Yeah, I I heard that uh, the atmosphere in Aston Martin is abysmal because of Lawrence Stroll's outrage towards their performance. Who could have thought? Exactly. What you know? What happens when you piss off a billionaire? <laughs> Just makes your life living hell. He's got to get out of the sport, man. I don't think he belongs here at all. It's we've had enough of him too. Um, yeah. It was enough for uh, Chad Gunther Steiner to just take all of uh, Maspin's <laughs> money and then drop him. That's how I'm, you really do it. <laughs> I've grown to love Gunther more. Um, I, I think like in the F1 series, I was a little torn on him at first. And then I'm like, no, this guy's awesome. Like I, I, I've become a very big fan. He used um, to be high up in Red Bull. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, really? What did he do? Yeah. Do you know? I think he was race director or something. No shit. Gunther. Gunther. Let me fact check. I never really thought about how people just kind of bounce around the sport. Like, um, I think about how in the NHL with general managers, it's kind of like an old boys club where they just kind of bounce around the positions and no one ever really leaves. And I think it's kind of the same way with F1. Now that I'm Technical operations it. director. 
Interesting. From 2005 to 2008. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then so he came back he... and joined Haas in 2014. Oh, okay. Did, does it say what he did in between that or? No. No? Wow. Good for him. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Um, huh. That makes me like him more that he's from good stock, you know? Good red. <laughs> That's what we appreciate. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything really more that I want to talk about from the race. Is, like, Juan is there Hujo getting absolutely slapped with penalty after penalty because of how they're deciding to treat penalties this season by the looks of it? Yeah, so what are they doing like there? they're trying to do is if you do something shady where you should be get it given a penalty for, it looks like the FIA is leaving it up to the team to sort it out. So they said when, um, when somebody cut the track... Yeah. They said uh, the announcers passed the comment that they're leaving it up to the teams to figure that out for the teams to tell you to, you know, secede that position back right. and then let the FIA kind of be the overseer of that. So I think what was happening is Guan Zhou was being issued penalties and the team was not applying those penalties. So then he's getting the second harsher penalties because they're n- he's getting penalized and he's not serving those penalties. So he had his five second penalty. Um, didn't serve it when he pitted under the safety car. Yeah. Then he got his another five second penalties, which wasn't because he didn't serve it. And then he gets hit again because he's not he's not serving his drive through penalties. So I think it's just kind of a poor miscommunication on how they're supposed to handle what's going on. Yeah, and, and obviously that I think that's a direct consequence of everything that went on last year, right? Like where they're yeah. just trying to be more hands off so that they're not managing the race as much. But I have to wonder, like that's not. I don't think that helps anybody, does it? it I don't see that being a good thing. Or, um, like, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. Well, we haven't seen much of it too far, but uh, or so so far. But by the looks of it, it was just handled very poorly with Guan Hujo. But I think it just didn't get any light of media because he's just he's just the rookie at the back of the pack. So you know, everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I mean, if you took his penalties out of there, if the time sheet I'm looking at here is. Um, from the leader, not interval, then he was only, you know, 10 seconds off of, uh, Oh, yeah, off of Lewis. Yeah. So, so if you didn't have those penalties, Lewis would have been out of the points. Jesus, man. Yeah. So I'm interested. Could you imagine your your rookie year, your Guan Hujou, your rookie year, and you out, you, you finish above an eight time world championship on your second race. Dude, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Based on everything that we have seen, there's nothing to convince me that Lewis Hamilton being in 10th or lower will not happen on a consistent basis yet. And like, can you, yeah, the confidence boost. If you're Joe coming in, imagine beating him and Seb. Yeah. You're, you're looking pretty crazy right now. If you're Guan Hujo, like I think he's actually been <laughs> really great for his first two races. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is like, you know, Lewis Hamilton's car might like the Mercedes might get a little bit better, but I think it's kind of destroying their confidence in the car. Like, I think oh, it's exactly sure. what you saw in 2019. Charles Leclerc is he was so confident in the car, so aggressive. Then you put him in the 2020 and then he's he's nowhere. Yeah. Mind you, the car was terrible. But even in, 20, in last year, 2021, he just wasn't confident in the car. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to develop, man. Like, like I said, with Mercedes, I just... I think that their entire they have to rethink their entire fucking strategy at this point. Um I, I just don't know what they're wanting to accomplish. Um or what actually I'm gonna rephrase that. I don't know what they're expecting to accomplish this year. I want to know what the bar is. Because I'm curious to know if inside the Mercedes team they're going, yes, we can still fight for the championship. 
or if they're going I'm sure right now they are but i wonder when it's like don't get me wrong every team is fighting as if they're winning the championship sure but how long do we get through the season before they abandon that before they start settling for something less you know i don't even think you get to halfway i mean really like if we if we have ferrari basically coming out and let's say by i don't know let's say by race seven hey, at the same time anything can happen no i know and that's you that's know, what's so cool DNF about the sport. five races in a row can you imagine no, i don't Actually, want to no i don't want to imagine either i'm really liking the ferrari winning but i i i wonder like is there a certain point threshold that they get to and they go okay we're done here well and yeah there is a, a certain points threshold where it is claimed you know they can't be beat no, 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 Lewis I know. Hamilton but has been claimed champion before the season was over. No, I know that. But I mean, just like, do they get to, you know, 200 points in the constructors and Mercedes is only sitting at, uh, I don't know, 30. Uh, what are they at now? Probably some. No, they're probably higher than that. Um, let's say they're at 40 and they don't gain any points within the next couple of races. Do they just go screw this <laughs> like and keep working on next year's car and call it or do they still stay competitive like I don't know what you do from that point of view when you're a team that's had success for so long and then it's just not an option anymore like do you give up or do you keep pushing they probably don't even know what to do I mean they don't even know you know how many points are awarded for what place you finish in by the looks of it so, so pathetic they man. probably don't even know what to do I know but I guess we'll find out um we'll find out in Australia yeah okay so let's get into Australia um what are your picks for Australia Who's coming out and putting on a show and who's going to absolutely bin it this time around? What are you predicting, Steve? I think it's going to be a max. I think it's going to be like a Red Bull Ferrari, Red Bull Ferrari, like a one, two, three, four, that order. Okay. So it's kind of the similar to what we just saw at, yeah. at uh, Jetta. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What are your Daniel Ricardo predictions? Out of the points. Out of the points or DNF? Out of the points. Okay. I'm going to give him a healthy 13th. Oof. Hey, hey. Oh, Jesus. That's hurtful. It's probably not re like unrealistic, but. It, ha it has just those corners that the Mercedes, like um, Lando Norris said that their car is just terrible in uh, slow speed corners. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Australia. It depends now. on your, you know, the arbitrary meaning of slow corners, you yeah. know, but I just don't think they're going to do good on the track. Well, think about the last couple turns at Australia. It'll be rough. It'll like be terrible for them. First couple turns, for God's sakes. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they have a couple of weeks to prepare, but, you know, we'll see what they bring. But yeah, I just, good. I don't have faith in the McLaren this year. Jesus. Sorry, boys. I think we have to hide our uh, McLaren gear away um, for the rest of the season. We just have to put it in a tote and dust it back out one day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, um, and be done with it. Um, no, I agree with you. I think Max is probably going to end up taking it. Um, I think we might see a surprise for pole position, though. I don't know what that surprise is going to be, but I think that there might be somebody coming out of the blue and taking that. That's just a be nice. completely uneducated guess uh, based on no information whatsoever. Um, but I'm very excited for Australia. Um, I'm not excited for being up at 1 o'clock in the morning to watch the race. Um, I've been more thrilled about watching a race before. Um, <laughs> I don't particularly love that. Um, again, speaking to the, the nature of the sport, it just being, you know, kind of all over the place. You gotta, you gotta come I'd rather it be at 1am than 7am. Really? Yeah. I prefer 7am because then you can get up, have your coffee and, you know, start your day. No, you don't like that? No. 
Why? Just not feeling it. No, whatever, man. You think you know. Um, Australian Grand Prix. Obviously, we got two weeks. Uh, we're still going to have a show next week. It may not be too long of a show. Um, I think it's probably going to be a lot of predictions um, and some news based on the past week. Um, but we do still have a bit to go before that race. I'm not wrong, right? It's not a triple header. I just want to no. make sure. Okay, cool. Mid-April. Okay, cool. Um, so the week of the, uh, or the weekend of the 9th, April 9th. So we've got a bit to go until then. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this race. Uh, this is my favorite track on F1 2021, even though I suck at it. So I'm going to love watching it and going, ah, I know this corner. Ah, yes, I know what gear they have to be in because I'm super smart. And, uh, that's how I'm going to be thinking through the entire race. So, um, yeah, good race weekend in Jeddah. Um, I thought it was a really interesting race and obviously a lot of geopolitical things as well. Um, I don't have particularly too much else to add, Steve, unless there's something on your mind. No, we'll figure it out next week. We'll figure it out next week. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to go play Wreckfest and try and destroy each other in racing. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully yeah, we're going to go play happen. Daniel Kvyat simulator. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Or uh, Nikita Mazepin simulator, whichever one you want to uh, <laughs> you want to point to there. Um, oh shit, that one was good. Uh, everybody have a fantastic night. We will talk to you next time. And as a note, I figured out the visualizer for Instagram, so we don't have a watermark on it anymore. So Ooh. that's exciting for literally me and nobody else. So I ho- I hope you enjoy the hard work that I put into creating a graphic after the show. So it's gonna be really fun. Anyways, I'm going to shut up now. Okay, say bye, Steve. Goodbye.